Welcome to the ASC podcast, Cytopath Pod. Join special guests to highlight ASC activities in cytopathology education, advocacy, and research. Hello, everyone. This is Vonda Torres again. I'm the Cytopathology Fellowship Program Director at Massachusetts General Hospital and the Chair of the ASC Cytopathology Program Director Committee. We're continuing with our series um, Cytopathology Program Director Toolkit today with Drs. Cecilia um, Jimenez and Kamal Karana, who will share their experiences with rapid on-site evaluation training. Dr. Jimenez is an anatomic and clinical pathologist at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Northwell Health. Um, since 2017, she has been their cytopathology fellowship director. Her areas of interest include medical education, cytopathology, and ultrasound-guided FNA training for residents and fellows. She was on the ASC program director committee for two years and is currently on the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. And Dr. Karana is a professor of pathology and medicine and director of cytopathology at Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse, New York. His interests and areas of focus include interventional cytopathology and gynecologic pathology. He was on the ASC program director committee for multiple terms, um, totally at least eight years, so a significant amount of time. So thank you both so much for sharing your experience with rapid on-site evaluation training. Thank you, Wanda, for that introduction. Uh, so uh, Cecilia and I will be talking about rapid on-site evaluation um, training for residents. Uh, both of us are actually in institutions where we are doing mostly rapid on-site evaluation using telecytology. So we will be sharing our perspectives. Um, conventional Telecytology is almost non-existent at State University of New York. You know, we are doing multiple telecytology procedures. So when the resident or the uh, fellow comes in um, starting July 1, first thing is we try to make an assessment in terms of where he is with cytology reading of the slides. You know, we sometimes get like postgraduate uh, from other countries who are already trained in cytology and uh, they are well versed with the uh, cytology skills. And so it's easy to blend them in with the rapid onsite evaluation as opposed to others where, you know, we want to make sure that they have the baseline and are able to recognize abnormal cells. And for that, for that part, actually in-service exam does really help the one that is administered through the American Society of Cytopathology. It really helps us gauge as to what the background in cytology is for the fellow for the current year. You know, if they are scoring high in the 80s, we know that their uh, foundation is really strong. After that is done, you know, uh, they go through the normal routine uh, slide sets, which are administered to the first month. Again, this is part of gauging, like we give them 
test slides from different body sites and see that are they able to recognize the abnormal cells, are able to make a diagnosis. And once we are comfortable with that, then comes the training with the telecytology. For that part, uh, we have a 20 slide validation test uh, from different body sites. And uh, these are FNAs and even touch preps, actually touch preps are becoming more common these days. And we are doing those evaluations with telecytology too. So what is what we really do is we have a cytotechnologist paired with uh, the fellow. And uh, there are two components to telecytology. One is at the receiver end and the other is at the transmitting end. We want to make sure that the fellow is well-versed at both ends in terms of uh, giving adequacy evaluation when the images are transmitted to him, as well as when he is transmitting images to the attending, he's focusing on the right kind of cells. So basically during this training period, the cytotechnologist is in a separate room. Initially, he will transmit the slides to the fellow and see if the areas that he is showing, they're able to recognize the normal cells and come up with some kind of diagnosis or say, you know, this looks adequate if it's a thyroid or if it's pancreas, is this really malignant or I think the tissue is adequate for um, core biopsy or final aspiration, we have enough material and most likely this is malignant. So some kind of diagnosis, preliminary diagnosis they're going to make. And uh, out of this 20 slide set, our passing rate where we actually feel comfortable that the fellow can go on procedure is at least he should be able to score 90%. If he doesn't score 90%, he or she doesn't score 90%, then we go on to the next slide set till he gets, he or she gets to the level of 90% score scoring. So um, that is about uh, in terms of what we are doing in training the fellow uh, for uh, recognizing the lesions at the other end, you know, when the cytotechnologist is transmitting. The second component is the fellow will transmit the slides to the cytotechnologist. And that's where he has to be able to recognize the abnormal cells and show that because this is virtual uh, training session because when they're doing on-site, we are actually looking at the slides virtually. So the idea is that they quickly pre-screen the slides and show the areas of interest to save time to the attending. And similar situation, is created when they're given those cases and they are supposed to um, transmit those images to the cytotechnologist and the cytotechnologists would, they, they already know the answers and they know that they're uh, transmitting the right uh, kind of cell. So again, 90% is the passing rate. And once that is done, I think we let the fellow go and uh, 
transmit images or you know when there are situations where the attending is busy he would also he or she would also look at the receiving end and look at the images that are being transmitted virtually the, the system that we use is teams basically um, so they call the attending on the team teams and the attending will respond and then they'll share the screen from their desktop where they're transmitting images and that's how it works so with that i will give it to cecilia cecilia can you share your experience how you guys are doing it over there Thank you so much. This is Cecilia. Thank you for inviting me. Um, now I'm going to share with you um, the experience at Northwell. Uh, well, Northwell have we provide rapid on-site evaluations. The ones who uh, provide the rapid on-site evaluation are, are the fellows and the cytologists. The cytopathologists um, uh, only do it by daily cytology. Um, in Northwell, we have three. It's a different setting. Our, uh, we provide rapid on-site evaluation for three um, hospitals or institutions. Each one have their own particularities, challenges, and difficulties. Um, one of them is, um, one of the settings is a radiology-operated facility where the procedures are mostly of the head and neck uh, and superficial lesions. They are ultrasound guided fine needle aspiration of a thyroid, salivary gland, and lymph node. The other setting is, um, uh, is a hospital setting where endoscopic ultrasound guided um, where are performed, as well as um, and pancreatic and liver lesions are done. And the other one is um, the other hospital where we provide rapid on-site evaluation is um, uh, mainly endobronchial ultrasound guided FNA, electromagnetic navigation bronchoscopy, also core biopsies and deep-seated fine needle aspirations. So each setting have their own particularities and difficulties for the training. So basically in the first uh, month of training, um, we have the, we call it the boot camp for cytology where the fellow is immersed in everything in cytology from the workflow of cytology to performing palpable and ultrasound guided FNA and also to um, get familiarized with rapid on-site evaluation. So in the first month, mostly the, the trainee is going to observe rapid on-site evaluation, get familiar with the handling, triaging, and get familiar with the utilization of the equipment that we have in each of the settings. Um, later on in the second month, each um, trainee or fellow will be tagged along with the cytologist. Now the fellow is actually handling the specimen and triaging the specimen and also providing the rapid on-site evaluation and showing uh, the cases by telepathology to the assigned cytopathologist. Uh, with the subsequent uh, month, uh, we have um, bi-weekly bi um, meetings with the cytologist and fellow, and we determine if the fellow is competent in providing rapid on-site evaluation independently. So we're trying to reach the milestone three to four, so where they are independently providing rapid on-site evaluation. It's not only the evaluation by the cyto cytologist that they are capable of doing it, but also how the fellow feel, if do they feel they are capable of doing independently. So it's, it's, it's a teamwork as we evaluate the fellow. By 
determine that he's, he or she is competent to provide rapid onsite evaluation. And also, um, is the, if the trainee um, confident enough to provide rapid onsite evaluation. Um, once the, the trainee is um, competent, we sign off on, on, on in the, sorry, Let's do that. <laughs> so once the uh, once the fellow feels competent in uh, rapid onsite evaluation, but we're going to sign it off in different settings. The first setting that we sign them off is the radiologist um, operated um, facilities, where they are mostly, you know, thyroid, lymph node, and salivary gland, which are easier for the fellow. So, so we sign off. Um, the, the trainee to be competent in different settings. So the, the, the fellow will have different graduating responsibilities as they go along with the rapid onsite evaluation. So Cecilia, uh, let me ask you something. Sure. Do you have any objective way of um, assessing their competency like you know we do like the validation slides at least we have some scores so from what you're doing um, are you in any objective way assessing them or you just send them on the procedures and try to assess if uh, they're doing all right uh, compared yes to the so we have three the ways to assess them one is the cytologist feedback and the other way is um, when they provide a rapid onsite evaluation, they uh, write down a code, adequate, inadequate. And then we, we see the adequate, inadequate pre and post once the, the case is signed out of each of the, ca the cases that the fellow has been handling. So if the fellow have done 90% is adequate, when he says adequate, ended up being adequate, then we sign them off. But also we consider um, some fellows have difficulty in being independent because they're, they're not with us, they're in a different hospital. So it's the cytotechnologies, the follow-up of the cases that the, the fellows have done, and also how the fellow feel confident or not in providing the FNA. I have situations where the fellows, they are really scared of uh, providing FNA, and oh. I do respect that because if that fear paralyzes them, it's not good. So we have to give them not only the objective of, yes, they're adequate, they're providing an adequate patient care, but also how confident they feel in doing so. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great point because sometimes we may feel that they're, you know, doing a fantastic job and are ready for you know that graduated responsibility, but sometimes they just don't feel quite ready enough. So you know, hearing it from both sides, I think, is important to getting their perspective on it. Yes, correct. So I mean, we have the objective, right? We follow each case that the fellow have, but um, we make sure that they feel confident enough to. Perfect. And I really liked how both of you guys in both of your institutions seem to have in the beginning a way of either assessing how um, you know your incoming fellows are functioning. Um, <clears throat> Kamal was mentioning that you guys start with um, an assessment um, either based on the pack or just seeing how they're doing um, in order to get that baseline and to gauge 
um, their abilities. And I think that's important because, you know, a lot of times, especially when we get outside fellows, maybe we're not familiar with how um, they're able to function. So just making sure that everybody is comfortable with um, responsibilities and also just being familiar with their abilities. So I think that in some, you know, however ways that we have in order to assess them, especially in the beginning is, is really important, not just throwing them out there and seeing how they do. So I think that's great that you both have a way of doing that in the beginning, either with the assessments or boot camp. Sure. And, you know, the other thing is um, we, we, when they start going on the procedures, we also have our cytotechnologists accompanying them to get them familiarized with the areas because, you know, uh, I mean, rapid onset cytology can be very intimidating, especially when there is a radiologist breathing down your neck and wanting to know, and then they're supposed right, to right. actually stain the slides. So they have to be trained that you'll be staining the slides, then you'll be projecting them. So there is a period where the cytotechnologist will accompany them. And uh, once they are quite uh, familiarized with the settings, I think that's when, even after doing the validation set and all, there is a time period like, you know, they'll go on like, we, we have up to 10, uh, roughly 10 numbers where, or 10 FNAs where a cytotechnologist might accompany them, but some of them feel very comfortable after a couple, you know, depending on their prior experience. Like I said, so sometimes they get these postgraduate from other countries and they're very comfortable. And sometimes from a good residency training program, we do have fellows who are very comfortable from the get-go and even have performed FNAs and have followed the same protocol in their institution as residents. So which is of an advantage. So the period may vary in terms of uh, how soon they will jump in. And again, it varies from fellow to fellow and their uh, prior residency training. Yeah, perfect. And I think for a lot of us, you know, assessing when is it appropriate for that graduated responsibility is not an insignificant question, right? So it, it's definitely something that I think some programs struggle with, just being able to assess them as they go along and, you know, when are they ready for that being able to step up. And I, you, you know, you bring up some, um, I think some important things as well in that, you know, one thing that I was wondering is how do you guys um, in your programs, how are cytotechnologists um, incorporated into this? So I think another um, thing is how do the cyto fellows interact with cytotechnologists? Do you have them going on the same procedures or different procedures, depending on, I've seen some places, depending on time of day, may be fielded to cytotechnologists versus later in the day are the cyto fellows. How, how is that interaction in your programs with the cytotechnologists and cyto fellows? You know, we are a very busy site actually. You know, we get like six or seven procedures going sometimes during the day. So our cytotechnologists are rotating and uh, usually most of the procedures are attended by the cytotechnologist and fellow is kind of a backup at our institution because we want him actually not to be deprived of the sign out sessions. So at the same time, we want him to be trained. Like if he has to jump in, he or she has to jump in, they are ready for it. So, um, 
when there are a lot of procedures, that's when usually the fellow goes in. The first priority is like the cytotechnologist will go in. But if it is getting to the point where the screening is getting affected and sometimes during late in the day, the fellow would usually go in. But, you know, we don't have our fellows going on most of these procedures because we feel that they will be deprived of signing out with attending and there's a lot more to learn rather than just transmitting, which is important. I mean, the idea is they should be able to do it both at the receiving end and at the transmitting end. And, you know, when they're signing out with the uh, attending, the attending session is always interrupted with these rapid on-site evaluations. You're sitting at your uh, sign-out area and at the desktop, you get the Teams thing ringing. And then the fellow is there. So you can make an assessment there too, that why don't you look at this and what do you think, you know, before the attending gives their uh, diagnosis or does his or her evaluation. We always have uh, that time to see how would the fellow, when presented with this kind of situation, make an assessment. So, you know, that's the time to objectively evaluate him too and discuss like, okay, this is not, this is what we're thinking, this is how I would approach it. So it's like a conversation we can have once we have done the adequacy assessment. So that's how we handle it. And uh, like, you know, the interaction between the cytotechnologists, I always tell them that, you know, we, we, I have always treated my cytotechnologists as my colleagues, you know, because I have learned so much from them and you need to follow that pattern because if you do that, you will learn a lot more. They have a lot to teach you and you can also impart teaching to them with whatever new cases that you see so that interaction, I think, is very important. And one needs to be emphatic about that, you know, that treat them as your colleagues because they are the ones who can really teach you cytology. And I, I really emphasize that. And even when I'm trying to recruit fellows, that's the first thing I mentioned that, you know, we treat our cytotechnologists as a colleague because they have a lot to offer. And uh, you have to have that respect for them and you know they are the best trained people at least i have worked with at our institution and they have a lot of experience and you will learn a lot from them so it's i think it's very important to uh make the incoming fellow realize that you know from the get-go and then uh, i think the interaction is very smooth and they do very well yeah, fantastic. I think those are all really important points. And I know there's so much that we can all learn from the cytotechnologist. So getting to learn what they do and how much they can teach us about the specimens, how they're handled, um, you know, pointers, especially when you're starting out for the fellows, um, you can learn a lot from the cytotechnologist. So great for them to have like a great relationship with them as well. Um, I know for our program, you know, we we um, are able to incorporate them. Um, you know, you talked about the balance between, you know, workload, especially now there's always so much to do, I think, for everybody. So, um, you know, programs may handle that differently. I know for us, you know, we have we have three teams. So we have two teams that do rapids throughout the day. And then the third team mans our, um, 
our cytopathologist run by needle aspiration clinic. Um, so it, it gets very busy on our service, but usually the, the fellows, if they're on one of the teams, they'll only do rapids for, we call them rapid, rapid on-site evaluations for half the day. So they're not running around the whole day doing rapids. That, at least that's how, how we do it. Um, Cecilia, how about you? How about you guys? So basically, um, the fellow will provide rapid on-site evaluation in the different setting weekly, once a week. So um, that day, he, he or she, the fellow, will go to the different settings and provide just rapid on-site evaluation. We are very busy, you know, most of us are very busy um, institutions, so we have a lot of procedures, and it's really, they have like um, seven, eight procedures throughout the day. And then the other days, the, the resident, the fellow will review the cases that he provides rapid on-site evaluation. So it's a constantly feedback from the diff week to the entire case the next day. So there is also a continuity, right, with this basic. And for both of you guys, are the CYTO um, fellows preparing the slides as well during these um, adequacies, the rapid on-site evaluations? For us, it's actually the CYTO technologist going and preparing the slides and doing an adequacy. And then, you know, our fellow will go and do an interpretation followed by the cytopathology attending, either in conjunction or later um, after the fellow has been able to give an interpretation. So, you know, that's that's one thing. Um, our cyto fellows um, spend less time than up there, right? But if, if they're there doing the, prep, the slide preparation, that's one thing that programs have to consider that would take more time time out of their day. So are your fellows actually preparing the slides as well during this? Yes, they are preparing the slides. So that's why, you know, we don't send them to too many procedures because cytotechnologists are covering most of the procedure, but when they go, they do prepare the slides, you know, because we cannot afford to have a cytotechnologist accompanying a fellow and preparing the slides for him and then just letting him transmit. So, you know, it's a telecytology procedure. So they take charge of it, they're in full control. And that's how we do it because uh, I, I don't think we can afford to send a cytotechnologist and a fellow because it's kind of busy, you know. If they're not, uh, cytotechnologists are not in procedure, they're screening slides. And if they're on procedures and there are too many of those, then they handle it individually rather than, I mean, other than the first few days where they're trying to make them comfortable, but once because they're comfortable, then they will do it on their own. How about you, Cecilia? Um, here in our world, but um, depends on the um, when uh, is the, uh, the, the position, when the the training is uh, happening. If it is in the first month of the boot camp, from cytology is mostly handled by the cytologist. Uh, but after that, the specimen is handled by the fellow. Uh, not only the smear, but also the touching print from the core biopsies. So once we sign off the, the, the fellow as independent, he will um, handle the specimen triage, the, the specimen independently, as well the telepathology. Telepathology is done only by the fellow. So Cecilia, at your institution, uh, are the cytotechnologists or the cytopathologists uh, preparing the slides on site? Just wanted to get a clarification there. The preparing the slides is the cytologist 
of Sato Technologies and the fellow. And yes. the fellow, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, when the fellow is there, is the fellow, if it is the Sato Technologies there, is going to be the Sato Technologies. Okay. Once, once we sign off the fellow as independent, okay, um, competent in provide independent rapid on-site evaluation, then the fellow will do everything, handling the specimen, triaging the specimen, and transmit the imaging by teams to the um, assigned pathology. Great, and actually out of interest for both of you guys, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of places are instituting telecytology more frequently, um, especially with the pandemic. It, it, what instances do you guys utilize telecytology? Is it every case or select cases? In which cases are you utilizing telecytology? We are doing telecytology on all cases because, you know, we are big on pancreas, lungs, and uh, you name it. Any place interventional radiology is doing, whether it's ultrasound guided or even the GI people, the endoscopic ones, we are using telecytology. We, uh, the only time we use conventional is when we are actually performing FNAs in the clinic. We do have a setup for telecytology too, because you know the fellow may transmit like the first pass because I would not go with my fellow when they are doing a final aspiration in the clinic, because obviously if the attending goes, they do, the patient wants the attending to do it. So we let them do like one pass, get an idea what it is, let him transmit, and then I go in there and take over. Uh, so that is the only time I think where we actually do more of a conventional stuff where we will do the procedures and look at it on the microscope. But other than that, uh, you know, we, we have like five or six telepathology set up in different places in the hospital. So the cameras are there and the fellow just goes in or the cytotechnologist just goes in and will transmit images from there. How about you, Cecilia? In our institution, uh, well, the radiology-operated facility, we don't provide telepathology. Those are the thyroid, the FNA, the you know, salivary gland, and the lymph node. Those one is, is, we don't provide telepathology for that. But in the hospital setting, we do provide in every single case telepathology. Um, in our case, what we have is, is a card, um, the FNA card that actually have um, a camera and microscope and um, Wi-Fi. So it's, um, the fellow doesn't have to go to the operating room or any, they, they don't have to go to the frozen station to transmit the imaging. They have the imaging within the microscope in the card. Right, and you know, there, there's, for programs that may be instituting um, telecytology, telepathology, um, now, is there any advice either of you guys would give in regards to, um, because it seems like you guys are more established um, in that, um, any advice for programs starting out in terms of how to incorporate the fellows or any challenges that you saw come up, any, any comments that you received from your trainees? Well, uh, for the programs that are starting out with telecytology, first thing is to make 
all the faculty members comfortable. You know, when we started here, we had the validation slides set up for our uh, faculty. When we get a new faculty in cytology, they go through the same protocol. I mean, they don't have to go on site and prepare slides and stuff, but you know, that they're already trained with because uh, conventional cytology, I, I don't think the procedure is any different in terms of making slides. It's only the transmission part. And some of the faculty members that we hire come from programs where they have had no telecytology. So first of all, any place that wants to incorporate telecytology, I think most important thing is to make your faculty comfortable. And I would offer the same protocol, like a 20 slide validation set from various body sites so that the faculty, when they are at the receiving end and are receiving images from the cytotechnologist, they are able to identify and feel comfortable about that. Um, once that is established, I think we, they can follow the same protocol that I just discussed uh, for the fellows in the earlier part of the program, which is pretty much similar to what the faculty goes through, any incoming faculty, the 20 slide validation test. And they might do it uh, in gradation. You know, you just got, it, it may not be practical or feasible to equip all the areas with the telecytopathology equipment, it is kind of expensive. You got to get a microscope, you got to get a camera, you have to have a desktop. So, and sometimes people use the mobile card to push the microscope from one place to the other place. That's how we started, you know, because we could not afford so many equipments. But then when uh, the radiologist saw, saw that, you know, what a great service we were providing and they really asked for it. So that's how we were able to get more equipment for different suites, ultrasound suites and all, because they felt this was really efficient because first of all, the cytotechnologist would go or the fellow would go, they would have to call the attending. And there was a lot of lag time walking from your uh, place of work to the suite, you know, there was a lot of wasted time. So once they saw that how efficiently this could be transmitted and the attending would give the answer within a few seconds, there was a demand for more. So that's how they can expand, I think. But initially you can start with one and see what vibes you get and go from there. And I'm sure that's how most programs would do to expand their services rather than say that let's go and equip every area with telecytology because th there is always a learning curve for the faculty themselves. And once that is there and everybody is comfortable, I think it's easy to have it incorporated for the fellows training, but the faculty should be very comfortable first because if they themselves are not comfortable, then it's going to be hard to sell it to a fellow in training. That's a great point. Yeah, we have to start with the, the cytopathologists. If we're not able to do it, then how can we teach it or expect the, the yeah. trainees to do it? How about you, Cecilia? Yes, I agree. I mean, um, every faculty member that uh, entered the cytology department would go through the competency for telepathology roles. And uh, as well as any 
new set of technologies. So, um, and it's very important that all the set of technologies that um, uh, is uh, incorporated to our department go through this 20 slide that Dr. Kamal said um, uh, of unknown cases and then are able, the set of technologies to transmit the important images to the uh, pathologies because obviously we don't have time to screen the entire slide, right? So um, the set of technologies have to be trained to be able to transmit the important images as well as the pathologies entering the department be competent in interpreting uh, um, the rapid on-site evaluation by telecytology. Um, I guess the, um, the rule of thumb in our department, if you are, have, you are concerned if it is adequate or inadequate in a specimen, call it inadequate, and then it's easier. If later on is adequate, that's fantastic for the patient. So if there is any doubt, just call it inadequate. And that's what I tell my trainee. If you have any doubt, just call it inadequate, and then we have more material later on. And the success of telecytology program, you know, uh, is actually dependent on the operator who is at the transmitting end. So, you know, when we have comfort level with our cytotechnologists, we know that they will be transmitting the right kind of cells. Occasionally errors happen, which is, that's why, you know, I mean, no matter however best of the people you have, there are difficult cases like you, you may have reactive bronchial cells, which everybody might struggle with. So, you know, those are the same problems that you encounter in conventional cytology as well as telecytology. So that's why uh, I think when you are letting a fellow be at the driving end, you first thing, most important thing is the comfort level and every person the entire faculty should be comfortable with the fellow skill of transmitting because, you know, the only way telecytology will work is it is dependent on the operator's skills in showing the areas of interest. You know, we are not going to screen the slide with the fellow, just hone in on the important cells. So that's very important. And uh, the comfort level is already established with cytotechnologists and that takes a while. That's the thing that we have to emphasize or you know, focus on in terms of training our fellows, the comfort level between the faculty and the fellow that yes, this person is going to transmit the right kind of cells when the time comes. That's the most important thing. Excellent. You know, building off some of these ideas, you know, one last question I'd like to ask you guys, and we've covered this a little bit, but I think as program directors, an, an area of challenge for us is what happens when you get a trainee, a fellow who doesn't seem to be, you know, obtaining that or reaching that time of graduated responsibility? What do you do if you have one that's not advancing? Um, you know, appropriately. Are there any remediations that you would suggest or have you had any experiences with this that you can share with other program directors? Uh, yes, you know, uh, we had an issue with the fellow. Uh, you know, the way our evaluation system works is like in the first six months is more of observational, although I would say that most of the fellows that I've gotten within a couple of months, you know, 
they are the best. But there have been instances where we have had someone who has not been able to keep up with the training parameters. Uh, and again, I mean, the program is so structured like if they're within first six months of the observational period, whereas the next six months, we think that they're close to being independent. That's how they're structured. And having said that, uh, we did have a situation with one fellow who did not meet up the mark. And then we did design a remediation measure for the six months that this is what we are going to do. You're not up to the mark, you know, with the transmission and the other standards that we would like you to be getting there in terms of the milestones, but you haven't reached there. And the whole remediation was designed. But I think uh, usually if somebody is not within six months, especially with this fellow, he left. You know, he just could not take it. You know, I, I think if people cannot make it to the first six months, then you've got to intervene at that time and let them know that we cannot give them a certificate of competence if they continue to go on at that pace. And they do not, if they do not take the remediation measure, they, they would be here. We are there to train them. We might have to extend their training, but you know, we cannot give them a certificate of competence. And this is what it was getting to with this person. And we ended up, uh, talking about the remediation measures, but within a week that person left. I mean, that's the only experience I have. I don't know, Cecilia, you can talk about yours if you have had any experience of that kind. Yeah, sure. Um, and in our situation, we have um, one trainee that was uh, falling behind. So um, I actually, okay, I would like to explain that um, in our um, hospital, we have three different settings. Therefore, three different equipment, three different way, way of handling the specimen and three different requisition form. So there is a lot of information that the fellow have to gather uh, uh, or internalize in order to be competent. At the same time, the fellow will rotate weekly in these different uh, scenarios, diff different settings. So one of the cases that I, the fellow was uh, falling behind, I ask the fellow what is going on, how, may, how we can help you to reach that goal. And this fellow told me that um, it was confusing for him or her that um, the amount of requisition from equipment and how to handle a specimen was different in each location on each scenario. So the way that we uh, remediate this problem was having the um, fellow rotate on the same setting one month then rotate on the different setting on different hospital the other month, and then the third month in the other hospital. So in that way, the fellow was able to internalize how to handle different equipment, different specimen, and different requisition from in different settings. So sometimes the problem is too much information in one shot. So sometimes you have to condense um, the information in different settings uh, that we have in our hospital. So. I think in my experience, that is short, I know, um, asking the fellow what is going on will give you uh, most of the answers. 
I think that's a very good point, you know, uh, having a conversation with the fellow and having him give some ideas like what can be done to remediate him, taking his input is always a good idea. But again, you know, sometimes when they're going down the road, the experience I had, it was like no amount of conversation or no amount of talking did any good because he was set on doing what he was meant to do. And I don't think cytology was something he was interested in. He came in showing sometimes, you know, it's difficult to gauge the interest when you are hiring people and it's only during the course of events, you realize that, you know, maybe this person is not right for cytology. I, uh, and sometimes it happens. It has in my career here for almost like 26 years, that was the only time I had, but most of my other fellows, I've not had any problems, but uh, uh, Cecilia's point is well taken. That conversation is very important. Uh, anytime you see that and, uh, when you're designing the remediation measures, it's always good to take the fellow's input and whether he would accommodate himself to those remediation measures. That's an important thing, you know, and if they're not, then basically you got to let them go. Yeah, thank you both for your candid discussions and, you know, examples that you're able to provide. And, you know, like Cecilia was mentioning, sometimes just checking in with people, you know, maybe we notice something as attendings, but maybe we don't understand what's going on. So sometimes just checking in with them, checking in with them frequently, seeing what's going on with them, sometimes it's not related just to cytology and just seeing what's going on with them, what challenges they're facing. You know, something I've had to learn myself is, you know, not making assumptions about things as well. So I think, you know, check-ins, especially if you're noticing something, um, is important to try to start to understand what's going on. And again, not assuming that you know what's going on. But as Kamal was mentioning, I mean, sometimes more rarely, but sometimes there are instances where we have to make challenging and difficult decisions about how how our um, trainees are functioning. So, you know, we can only do so much. And, you know, they say you could you could lead a, a horse to water, right? But you can't get them to drink. So sometimes, unfortunately, there's, um, you know, only so much we can do. So thank you both for your very candid um, discussions about dealing with it. And I think this is a, a topic, an area that's extremely challenging for program directors in general. What do you do when your trainees not meeting you know, goals and uh, set points and things like that. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your experiences in general with um, with rapid on-site evaluations. I think that all of the points that you guys have gone through are really important points. And I think that these are very helpful things that we've discussed today. Thank you, Wanda, for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And thank you both again for your expert um, opinions on things and for sharing your experiences on these. Thank you for listening to CytopathPod. You can reach ASC on Twitter at Cytopathology or via email at asc at cytopathology.org.